This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello, and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. Uh, I'm joined this week after 45 minutes of technical difficulties, uh, a lot of frustration, and a no small part of embarrassment on my part. Um, I'm joined by uh, David Maslenka and Matthew Maslenka. Um, guys, welcome to the show, finally. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Um, this, this is great. Um, I've, David, I've, I've known of your music since I was in undergrad. Um, Illinois State University has, has had a very long relationship with your music and, and with you. Correct. And um, so I've, I, I never got to perform anything of yours. I was in the choir program. They did the, your mass like right, right before I got there. Okay. <laughs> but, but I heard their recording, which was great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so so uh, why don't the two of you introduce yourselves so that um, listeners know a little bit more about you? All right. Uh, well, I am a composer. This is what I do for my living. I have been a freelance composer for a long time, since uh, 1990. Um, and uh, my center of my music for, um, that is well known at least, is uh, for wind ensemble and bands. Um, about a third of my composing has uh, gone in that direction. Um, the music is uh, played a lot in a lot of places, I'm very happy to say. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's the center of it. Uh, so then Matthew. Yeah. Uh, my name is Matthew Maslanka. I have been publishing David Maslanka's music for nine on four years now. Um, my background is in uh, performance. I'm a euphonium performance major at Michigan State University. I did performance at Indiana University as well and went on to do most of a doctorate in brass pedagogy, uh, at which point I discovered that I didn't actually want to teach. Um, <laughs> To, to everybody's great surprise. and um, But it also turns out that you know, I'd been doing dad's copying for, um, boy, uh, since I went 14. Hmm. So, you know, I started doing you know, his copying. I did it all through high school and you know, kept me in ramen when I was in college okay. and uh, picked up some other clients. So I started doing music copying full time. Um, got to New York City in... Uh, about 2009 and got settled, did a lot of work in musical theater. Um, and it came to pass that um, dad was getting kind of unhappy with um, the, the current situation he was in and was interested in publishing his own music and came to me and said, Hey, um, we are doing this thing. And uh, is this something you'd be interested in? And I uh, looked at that and said, this is exactly in my wheelhouse. This is all the things that um, I do really well. So I'm based in um, my, my core skill set is in music copying. Mm -hmm. So um, I produce beautiful, beautiful music. And it's uh, from there I can expand to um, learning how to deal with business aspects mm -hmm. of it. 
learning how to understand promotion, distribution, marketing, uh, that whole end of it. Nice. So uh, here we are. Awesome. Um, David, what was it in 1990 that, that had you make that switch to being a full-time composer as opposed to a composer who do, you know, does other things? Well, I had tried to take the traditional path uh, from graduate school to be a university professor and uh, uh, began that in 1970. Um, uh, so my first academic position was then. Um, yeah, we had the... the uh, statement from uh, my teacher Owen Reed that uh, you're a composer of concert music, therefore you can't make a living. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, you have to be this other thing, which is called a professor of music. <laughs> so um, yeah, we dutifully got our doctorates and became professors of music. Yeah? Um, uh, and this it is what me, one does. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it took me 20 years to understand that that wasn't a good fit mm -hmm. for me. Uh, but I tried. Uh, I was at the State University of New York at Geneseo, and then four years later, uh, without any uh, job of any sort, moved to New York City. Uh, mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to uh, be given a part-time position at Sarah Lawrence College. Uh, and then uh, thereafter, uh, I got a full-time position at uh, the Kingsborough College, which is one of the city university schools in Brooklyn. But it was during that time, um, from roughly 1980 on, that uh, I began to write the music, uh, which established my reputation in uh, for wind ensemble. I had already written my first wind piece, which was a concerto for piano and wind ensemble. Mm. And then... Um, began to uh, get uh, some traction with that music. Uh, the first performance of the piano concerto happened to be at Eastman uh, and conducted by Frederick Fennell, and it was a great success. Uh, out of that came uh, uh, further uh, work with the concerto. John Painter at Northwestern uh, performed it and then asked me to write a piece, and that became the Child's Garden of Dreams piece. And that piece established my reputation, mm -hmm. beginning reputation at least, uh, on a national level as a composer for winds. Uh, so in, then uh, there came Second Symphony, which I composed while uh, uh, working at uh, Kingsborough College. Um, there came along... Uh, the idea from my wife that I was just working too hard, that uh, I was working two full-time jobs, essentially teaching and trying to compose yeah. to, to make that work. And she said, pick one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, she said, it doesn't matter if you want to stay in teaching, that's fine. Uh, but uh, know that that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had to think about it for a length of time. And this is in the late eighties. Uh, and my, uh, my, thinking was intensive and it, uh, it involved a good deal of uh, meditation work, uh, dream work, and any number of kinds of things that uh, were really, really interesting. And I finally came to the understanding that my reason for being on this planet in this lifetime was to write music mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. So on the strength of that, uh, I quit my job <laughs> and we moved to Montana. Nice. Uh, uh, and not easy at the outset. Uh, 
but uh, relatively early on, maybe three or four years into that move, um, the uh, commissions began to liven up. We began to have more uh, uh, work. Travel began to uh, become an important part of uh, the life. So since then, uh, there has been, and in that time, I've written most of my music, actually. There's a huge amount of music been composed here. Uh, something that I, if I had stayed in academic life, I certainly could not have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that, that was it. And the move to Montana, well, we had decided, living in New York City, that we were looking for a place that uh, was... Um, radically different a place that had mountains we both had our imaginations about this mountains and uh, not too many people uh, and uh, a few other things the university town we're looking for mm-hmm. uh, Zula Montana showed up in that uh, criterion list and uh, well, we a brief investigation said yes this is the place and uh, packed it up and moved so uh, uh, that's the the broad history of uh, what brought me out here. But there was the central issue of knowing that I was primarily a composer, mm-hmm. and regardless of the consequences, I think. I always We always assumed that it was going to work. There was no guarantee that it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And it, it seems like you, I mean, you did the, that, that the move to Montana is the sort of, opposite of what people would would assume to do if you're going to yes <laughs> to new york not move out of new york <laughs> you, that's you, correct yeah you, you pulled an alex shapiro and went somewhere else <laughs> somewhere <laughs> okay. yeah. um well i did move to new york initially in 1974 mm-hmm. uh but then i found in the space of the 16 years that i lived there that i was not a joiner i was a very uh alone uh, kind of person i remain so in terms of my art Posting, I, I do not want to you know, participate with anybody with this <laughs> until I'm ready. Uh, so you know, I didn't uh, make any traction, whatever, with the uh, um, uh, the new music end of New York City. Mm-hmm. I began to find that most of my performances were outside the city, mm-hmm. and um, so there was no point necessarily in staying there. Can we figure that out? <laughs> You don't like music? What's the matter with you? <laughs> I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Everything I do not disturb? Are we all silent here? <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Get your dogs going. Yes. Yeah. I'll have the cat come in in a second. He'll... he'll... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so you said you're you're not a joiner. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, this uh, no, I had a thought, but it's gone. Um, I think uh, one of the things I wanted to to point out was you when you when you went to Montana, you had the benefit of mom. Correct. That, like 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 that's the um, one of the key things that was was made this whole possible. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like she made she made it possible for you to write. You know, mm-hmm. she, um, you know, managed the, the, the kids in the house and, um, you know, got a job, you know, 
in Missoula to to make this all work while you got your feet under you. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an interesting bit of continuity that um, there is Um, there's an interesting bit of continuity that um, there are so many people who believe in you and the people closest to you um, have seen the power of your music and have wanted to make that as possible as, as it could be. Hmm. Well, I certainly agree with that. I mean, this is you know, a, a very fortunate thing. Um, I'd say that uh, my wife has always uh, she recognized from the very beginning. She said that uh, her intuition was that uh, that there was, you know, first off, a very good composer here, and that uh, um, this was going to work. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we've always been uh, able to support each other in whatever we wanted to do. So it was not difficult for us to say uh, that we are going to find a new place to live. And it was not difficult at all to say, oh, it's Montana. Mm -hmm. It's the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, let's go there. Yeah. Um, it was probably more difficult for Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was I was pretty happy being in New York. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was eight when we moved out, and it was a, 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 just an enormous cultural shift. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to have had the experience of bucking hay and pulling weeds and you know, you know, you know picking up horse manure yeah you weren't glad at the time uh, no no um <laughs> it's, it's this goes under the uh, building character slot yeah. mm -hmm. but there's a there's a certain insular thing that happens living in new york I, i'm back in new york now mm -hmm. and have been for several years and um, i'm not leaving again if i can help it but uh, at the same time it's been really um, I think it's been a, an important thing for for me to have lived in Montana, to have seen how other other people live in other parts of the place, uh, of, of the world. Um, so it's it's been kind of a long time coming to terms with with that mm -hmm. shift, but um, on the whole, I think it's a it's a, it's a welcome and positive thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's wonderful that the 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 family support has has been there throughout and i think that a lot of us overlook that sometimes we take it for granted sometimes we don't even think um to like have these conversations about you know what what do we need to do to make this happen and make this viable and, and you know what are there sacrifices that we need to make are you know are there ways to support each other that that can make this a, a, a life path. Sure. It's a hard well, thing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, this one was absolutely necessary because at that point uh, in 1990, um, I had three kids. <laughs> um, the, the need to uh, take care of that. Yeah. So, uh, so we had to work hard to um, make sure that all of this happened. Mm -hmm. Again, there was no guarantee that it should happen. Uh, there was just the understanding that this is what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's always something uh, in us. Uh, we needed money, of course, but there was always something in us that was not primarily concerned with money. Mm-hmm. It was concerned with the nature of what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were concerned with money, primarily, I would have stayed uh, in the academic system and mm-hmm. uh, would have you know, been a, a good salary with all the benefits and everything, and retired, and so on and so on. But uh, I mean, you, you, you took this. You were you had tenure at this point. That's correct. And and you said no, this isn't working. I need to go. I need to go right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's that's a tough that's a tough decision right there to give up a safety net. Well, the dean of the school invited me in for a conversation. He said after I resigned, and he said, "You're the only person he's ever known who'd given up a tenured teaching position." He said everybody else is clawing and scrapping to get these things. <laughs> so, well, I think it takes a a lot of personal clarity to, to, to see a path like that and, and not the, not the thing that's just going to get you to the next paycheck. Well, the, the clarity had to do, uh, yes, the growing personal clarity, but also the clarity had to do with music. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that music was pushing me, mm-hmm. uh, pushing hard. And so I had to, uh, honor that, pay mm-hmm. attention to it. And in honoring that, then it became what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And out of that, uh, uh, the other stuff began to work. Nice. I, sort of changing tack a little bit, I, because, you know, you, you are particularly well-known for your wind ensemble music. Um, is that something that, you know, I've talked on the, the show to a couple of people about, you know, feeling pigeonholed as a choral composer or as a band composer? Is that something that has ever been a bother? I mean, obviously you're writing, you know, not just, you know, mm, band sure. music in quotes. Uh, it, it's, I know it's, it's, it, it's, it's a big part of what you do. Is that, how does that feel? I get, well, partly does that bother you? And also, what do you think of this really strange dichotomy that we have in, the, in, in our world of you have, quote unquote new music and then you have quote unquote band music mm-hmm. that they see that there's a that there does seem to be this strange divide in our community over doing that well it's huge uh, the band is uh, uh, never had any respect mm-hmm. um, so coming up through the middle of the last century uh, uh, anyone who was a quote unquote serious composer uh, threw out a band piece. Well, okay, the aberration was tolerated. <laughs> uh, but if you wrote more than one, then uh, you were no longer considered a serious composer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that hasn't bothered me. Yeah, I've, I've written fifty-five pieces for wind ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've discovered, and, and along the relationship with. Uh, what new music has been about in the in the 20th century. Um, when it turned into the intellectual uh, end of it, the domination of of um, idea, mental ideas about what music ought to be, and mm-hmm. the entire proliferation of all of that in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, and, and the idea that melody was dead, we don't do mm-hmm. harmony anymore, all mm-hmm. of these kinds of things. I, I never bought into any of that. So I'm a living, breathing composer of new music that doesn't buy into that model. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you can see that what has happened since, you know, once um, uh, Philip Glass came along, uh, there was this sudden realization you know, that maybe the emperor didn't have such nice clothes after all. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and that it was possible uh, to, uh, to think other thoughts. Uh, and I, I never didn't think other thoughts. I always was a melody writer and I have always uh, had a firm basis in tonality. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the realities that has happened is that the, the tonal language that is the root of everything that we've done in the Western world um, has, you know, in its own way, ignored you know, what is called new music. Mm -hmm. And it continues uh, to evolve and grow on its own. Um, so, uh, you know, I've not been troubled by that uh, at all. Um, and as I've gotten further along, I really don't care mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what people think. <laughs> you know, I don't like I don't like being disrespected. But uh, you know, I'm writing really good music, and it's being performed by hundreds of ensembles, mm -hmm. um, and the people are having an amazing time. Uh, with it, there is tremendous growth of people that I'm able to work with, um, and what more could one want? Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll jump in with when you have the, you, you say you have a really really strong sense of the necessity of tonal music of being able to um, have to, to hook into the history of it and to the to the weight and the and the power that it mm -hmm. that it can contain, but at the same time you also have a strong command of of that new music mm -hmm. feel yeah um like there's you came in you came in at a time when it was heavily emphasized and you developed a craft mm -hmm. of like there's some some deeply strange stuff that you've written that's correct yeah. I, I mean it's gotten pretty out there and yeah. in, and in ways that are not particularly you know bach Mm -hmm. That is true, and so it's not it's not a rejection of the new music; it's more of an integration mm -hmm. of you know what do I need to say and how what are my best tools to say it. Yeah. And the, well, the interesting thing about that it is certainly not a rejection. It is the fact that when I sit down to write, I am pushed toward a clarity of melody and a clarity of harmonic function. Mm -hmm. um, and this doesn't negate anything that anybody else is doing. It simply says, this is what is being asked of me to do. Um, so it isn't so much an intellectual choice that I should do this. It is the thing that in me that perceives the greatest power. Um, power of expression of the thing that wants to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm writing a 10th symphony now. Uh, and the ideas are simple. Um, simple, 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 simple melodic ideas, and I'm writing a whole set of songs that are going to be a symphony. Um, and you'll uh, you'll hear them, and, and they will be this radical, simple stuff that is powerful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my uh, friend Timothy Marr, conductor at uh, Saint Olaf College, and he's also a good composer. And he said he'll look at my scores and he'll recognize immediately, well, this is David, you know, the quarter note uh, uh, triads <laughs> um, as an underlying pulse to a radically simple melody, and damn, it works. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay, this is what's being asked and this is what I'll do. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I, I had a teacher who, you know, knew that I was going to be more in the tonal vein and insisted you need to have these other tools in your toolbox. And I think that that's, you know, important for, for all of us. And that seems to be really where you've come from is you, you absorbed all of these, these things that are, weren't the center of your musical universe, but you know how to integrate them. Oh, sure. I mean, as a, as a young composer, if you have any sense at all, I mean, you're just absorbing everything that there is and trying it out, seeing how it fits, mm -hmm. um, where it goes. I mean, and I wrote new music and I had the really interesting experience uh, a couple of years ago of hearing a piece that I'd written over 40 years ago <laughs> premiered for the, oh, wow. um, it was a trio for viola, clarinet and piano. And so I hadn't thought about this music in a very long time. Uh, it is very much in the new music um, way, but it has my turn of, of um, the, the ability to make line, which carries through the entire space of a piece. It was a fascinating experience to hear that. It's like, Oh, Gosh, look at that. This is really pretty good stuff. And if I'd gone in that direction, it would have taken you know, a different turn in my life. Um, but I think the only thing that, a, that, a, that a, a, a good composer can say is that the music happens because it needs to happen, and it's not about your intellectual decisions regarding that music. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the gut the movement that, that takes place. Yeah. But once the gut movement happens, you need to be able to have the tools to write it down. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. You got to, you, you have to, have to have the training to, to yeah. you need the intellect to, to get, to yeah. interpret your gut. Yeah. You, you need to, if you want to get a drink of water, you need to have the water, but you also need to have a cup. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> uh, otherwise it's sort of on the floor and it's really hard to get at it. <laughs> well, we have dog dishes, Captain Matthews. That, it's, it, those, those would also be effective. Yeah. It would yeah. alter your experience of drinking that water. Yeah, it's just a different tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it there is. You go. <laughs> you got it. I mean, you see the 15,000 different kinds of cups for, uh, for like a kind of beer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, you can't have a Guinness in a Pilsner glass. <laughs> okay, I think we've taken the cup metaphor a little ways. <laughs> oh no, I, I've got like a stack of these. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what, one thing that I've that I thought has been interesting about this this you know strange and slash serious music dichotomy, um, you have people like um, Fran at ASCAP. Um, or, or formerly at ASCAP, uh, she's retired now, um, who, who's saying, write for band, do it. Like these people like what you do. They want you to, they're, they're so supportive. They want new stuff and they're gonna, if, if it's good, they're gonna program it, you know, unlike a lot of orchestras that aren't gonna do that. They, That's correct. You know, like, Pretty simple. You're gonna get another Beethoven. You're getting, gonna get another Brahms. <laughs> Now you're talking about being pigeonholed earlier. Uh, there, there are that, that one cuts both ways. Mm -hmm. It's like once you're known as a, a composer for wind ensemble, like people look to that. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, they'll say, "What's new? What's the what's the new stuff?" We're really mm -hmm. interested in this. And you're absolutely right. The culture of bands is of 
like we we're looking for new stuff we are mm-hmm. interested to play it and whereas you, know, you get the first performance with a commissioned work in an orchestra and then we're back to beethoven seven for the next cycle mm-hmm. yeah now you're lucky to get a second performance right as opposed to the band world where oh i, I heard this great piece where do i get it great i'm gonna do it right well a couple of stories so back in the late 90s uh my Conductor friend, longtime friend, Stephen Steele at Illinois State, whom you know, mm-hmm. um, produced a program. He was not trying to make a statement about new music, uh, but every one of those pieces on this program was written uh, within the few years of that concert date. Mm-hmm. And mine, my Symphony 4 was on there, and that was the oldest piece on the concert. <laughs> so we weren't making a statement about monitors, we were making a statement about good wind music. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's not worth an argument, actually. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you, I was uh, just in the last, over the weekend, I was in uh, Louisiana at uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And I was working with two high school ensembles, each two pieces of mine, and then the university ensemble, which did a performance of my new clarinet concerto. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, combined ensemble, 150 uh high school and college kids performing my piece called Liberation. Um, we had an amazing weekend of rehearsal and of lectures, um, of interaction, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing concert situation in which everybody's eyes just kind of went, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it seriously is what this is about. Um, uh, uh, it is about bringing people to consciousness <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and giving them the possibility of uh, opening their imagination so that they can go on in this life and that the human race might have a chance to uh, continue. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> So do I worry about getting a performance with a Philharmonic or do I go and do this, you know? <laughs> kind of a no-brainer. For me, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think it just, I think it's just weird that we still have this particular hang-up sometimes when, we, when the, the new music community is trying to open its doors and we're saying, oh, cross genre, that, we're going to do that. That's great. Everybody's, everybody's welcome. And then there's the band people. Hmm. It's just, it's an odd little thing that, that we have going on. Like, oh, you write band music. Oh, you write, you know, write choir music. And then there's this, oh, we're a big tent. Some little tents off to the side. It's, it's, it well, it, <laughs> but, but yeah, sure. But there's nothing you can do about that. Oh, no, no. Uh, and the thing you can do Except about talk. that is, is to take every single experience for its own value. Mm-hmm. So that uh, when you look at new music, you're not seeing a category. When you look at bad music, you're not seeing a category. Mm-hmm. You're seeing an individual piece and an mm-hmm. individual experience of that piece. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, then, then you've opened your eyes in an extremely important way. Yeah. Um, you know, the serious issues that we have in our country today have to do with categorization. Mm-hmm. So racism is at bottom of categorization that has nothing to do with individuals. Yeah. Uh, if you start looking at individuals, you can no longer see the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the same with music. Yeah. Nice. Um move on a little bit into yeah. some of the publishing, get uh, a bit more of, of what, what Matthew's doing here. How, how, how do you, 
how do you, how do you guys function like now that you've moved into this this new setup that you have? In what capacity? Um, well, I guess what is what is the difference between your the the older ways of of doing things, um, and what's your sort of day to day process like? Okay. Well, Dad, do you want to want to talk talk first for your experience? Oh well, okay. Um, early on, you know, as a beginning composer, there was this desire to be taken up by a publisher so that you'd have some legitimacy mm-hmm. um and so uh, i had the good fortune actually of being approached by arthur Cohn from uh the carl fisher company arthur mm-hmm. was a long time advocate of new music and uh, uh a long time uh, uh kept looking for new composers and so this is something that publishers don't do anymore but he did he's now passed away a long time mm-hmm. but uh his job, and as he saw it, was to cultivate uh, young composers that could come in through the Fisher organization and, and begin to be recognized. And so that was much appreciated. Um, over time, uh, the Fisher organization uh, began to pay less attention altogether to what I was doing and to me. Uh, and there was a... Um, a need to begin to get the music out in, in a different way. I still have a pile of music with Fisher, and uh, Matthew will be in the process over time of negotiating with them to, to bring it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but to send out music um, by myself it was its own burden, you know, mm-hmm. constantly making packages and sending things out to people. So just to be sh- to, to clear here, uh, uh, people, you know, people could contact Fisher, I suppose, and they would be able to send out a perusal score or a recording or something like that. But most of the time, people would contact you. Yeah. And so that would be on you to take care of all the business of, mm-hmm. you know, what did you need? Uh, where's what's your address? Let me get that copy made. Let me get that mailer in there. Mm-hmm. So then, at a certain point here in Montana, we decided to uh, start making a kind of a cottage industry out of this and. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter began to help out to to um, create an organization and to produce uh, the packages and sending out and all that. Um, and then um, Matthew entered in uh, and began to make it into an actual publication business. And the amount of work that that took is beyond extraordinary uh, and still takes, um, <clears throat> but he is now uh, has it organized um, in a very powerful way. Uh, so, whereas in the past I would have to send out perusal scores and uh, purchases and all these kinds of things, uh, Matthew now has all of my music on the website. And so, uh, scores can be seen and recordings can be heard with a, a simple touch of the screen. Um, and then uh, he has now streamlined the sales process so that. Uh, uh, it's pretty much all automated. Uh, so uh, huge has been done, um, and uh, there's still a ways to go, but uh, uh, we made this transfer from uh, my hands-on work to uh, to his. Uh, this now allows me the uh, freedom to, mm-hmm. to uh, uh, not be troubled with it, simply to do the composing as I need to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, the ideal situation is to be able to allow dad to write, uh, to know what he's writing now, what's mm-hmm. coming up for like the next couple of pieces mm-hmm. and uh, when he needs to get on a plane. 
mm-hmm. and where he's going. Jesus. <laughs> and like, that's it. It's like, mm-hmm. we should be, I should be able to, and, and my team should be able to handle all that stuff. So Matthew's uh, idea includes not only uh, the publishing of the music, but the management of my uh, travel schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the idea of creating an archive for everything that has been written about the music mm-hmm. um, and recordings, uh, um, rehearsal recordings and so on and so on. So he's constantly looking for this material. Uh, and there is now a substantial archive and uh, that's only going to get bigger now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. As I, if you graph the amount of, of of documentation about you over time, it's like a flatline, flatline, flatline spike. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I have I've been uh, taking thousands of pictures of him over the last year or so, mm-hmm. and like just let's let's document what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have. I have a strong sense of the enduring power of the music and of his legacy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I say, I feel it, it's really important to, you know, while, well, while he's still around, like make sure there's a, um, like I can ask him, what did you mean when you said that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what note is right here? <laughs> uh, tell us, you know, uh, uh, what how, how your meditation process works? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what you were thinking. While um, how should somebody approach this music? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all all questions which have have been talked about over time. There are a bunch of interviews. There are a bunch of dissertations. There are a bunch of uh, materials already in existence, mm-hmm. and you know I'm categorizing and putting all that stuff together. But like, let's have. Uh, I, I've been encouraging him to write a book or at least a series of essays on you know, this is the music. This is how it's, this is how it came about. Um, and this is what I think about it. Nice. Um, I think that's a great idea. Uh, to a certain extent, all the music stands on its own. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can see the notes on the page and you can get an enormous amount out of it. Um, and you know, Dad's involvement is not necessary beyond the act of actually writing the music. Um, but as soon as you start adding in, you read the program notes. Cool. Mm-hmm. You read an interview. Huh. Yeah, all right. That, that deepens my understanding. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually uh, are fortunate enough to work with them, like, then you start getting the... When, there's something extraordinary that happens when he's in the room mm-hmm. in a rehearsal that it's like everybody pays attention and then he asks them to play the notes that are on the page with the dynamics that are on the page at the tempo that's on the page. Mm -hmm. And everybody goes, Oh, okay, let's play that then. (laughs) 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 And it's, it seems like, like the most basic dumb thing in the world, but um, it's, it's surprisingly effective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he. You know, some composers are are more loose in their markings, or are mm-hmm. um, um, are content to to have the performer be more of an equal partner. Mm-hmm. And Dad is very much a 
this is what's on the page. You mm-hmm. should play that and then it will sound like the music that you expect. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that far, then, you know, go nuts with your artistry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a, um, I don't know. It, the, 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 the archival thing is, is important mm-hmm. uh, for, so from a study perspective, mm-hmm. uh, from the, the scholarship perspective, but mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what I'm most interested in is making sure people are able to engage with the music at a level that was intended mm-hmm. uh, so that they can get the maximum benefit out of it and the people who hear it can get the maximum benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Uh, so so what, what, um, you're, you're gathering all these, these, these uh, materials. Um, how, how much digging does that require? A fair amount. There, there's a there's a big stack of correspondence and mm-hmm. programs and uh, sketches, um, you know, you know, short scores, full scores, mm-hmm. different versions of those scores. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everything needs to be scanned and categorized, mm-hmm. uh, put in a, a database made into um, uh, semantically described. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is, a piece of paper of this size with this material on it that relates in this way to other objects Mm -hmm. and then making that available to the public. It's a, uh, it's a substantial project, but it's a, I want to have every recording that's ever been made Mm -hmm. of every concert of of the music. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have all of the interviews that he's ever had uh, Mm -hmm. recorded that made available and transcribed. Mm-hmm. I want to have every letter he's ever written or received, um, <laughs> every phone call he's ever made. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, but what about the shoes, Matthew? Yeah, we're, we're preserving your space in Amber next week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the, so but I... It's, it's, this is what, uh, uh, an opening process mm-hmm. that, that we've had to work with. And there's a, a large amount of emotion and um, trepidation that comes into this. Like, this is a, like, like let's open up your entire life to the world. Mm-hmm. Let's open up your entire internal life to the world, the stuff that you're, is most precious to you and mm-hmm. the stuff that is most important to you. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is, Sure, it's a it's a technical challenge, but it's also an emotional one. Mm-hmm. And very much. And as the archivist, I need to be sensitive and thoughtful about that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, having said initially that I'm not a joiner and that I am essentially a um, loner, uh, it took Matthew a fair amount of convincing that is convincing me that this was uh, a thing that needed to be done and should be done mm-hmm. was appropriate to do, and so. Uh, it's taken a while for me finally to say, all right, I agree, and I'll do my best to assist uh, the effort that you're making. Um, uh, one of the issues that I don't know how we're going to deal with is, is the one of emails, because I, you know, I've now written you know, letter-length thousands of emails to people. <laughs> yeah. well, frankly, the emails are the easiest one to, to yeah. take care of because you haven't deleted anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's 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 a crucial aspect because we transferred all your emails since uh, you were on 
you know, big sky net dial up in 1996. <laughs> um, that's, we've got a bunch of stuff all the way back to the early two thousands, late nineties, okay. which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. What is, and we have both sides of that conversation, which is most important. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that we run into are with your paper communications. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because you send a letter off, it's not like somebody's going to make a copy and send you, or, or you made a copy, archived it, made it a duplicate. And so there's a, there's a lot of holes and gaps in that stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. But there are some directors who have kept correspondence. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> Hmm. And so we get to go through and um, canvas. Yeah. Interesting. You know, even getting old, you know, going back, you know, Steel, Steel, Steel has done, what, 15, 20 commissions of yours? Oh, I, more than, I don't more know than the number, but he's the only one. Who, until this year, the only one ever to ask me to write a symphony. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, but uh, at Illinois State University, mm-hmm. there are, you know, 20 years of posters and um, programs, mm-hmm. uh, correspondence, uh, re- rehearsal recordings. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it should be with us, or at least a copy of it with us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, we, we get to go digging and have the long-term project. I, I know they will cooperate. <laughs> if I know my alma mater and I know them well. You mentioned um, that you have, you have a team to, to assist you with the publication stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I am the primary person involved. In I, I do most of the, the heavy lifting, but um, I have an assistant whom I've had for about a year now. Um, his name is Kyle, Kyle Wilbert. He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he uh, he does for me what I try to do for dad mm-hmm. in terms of like he lets me run the business and you know work on creative aspects of it rather than um, um, get bogged down in emails and contracts and mm-hmm. um, agreements and scheduling and plane fares and that stuff. He can say, um, okay, I need your decision on this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, go do that. That looks good rather than having to find a flight, mm-hmm. book it, clear the schedule, mm-hmm. find the guy who's going to pick that up at the airport, mm-hmm. uh, get his number, put it on a piece of paper, all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is you know, the, the way that all this actually works, mm-hmm. but is, you know, it's not uninteresting, but it, it's, like, I'm rather, I'm more interested in having a larger strategic view. Mm-hmm. So he allows me to do that. Um, and, but other people, you know, helping out with money, the bookkeeper, mm-hmm. um, I bring in, uh, freelancers to help with, uh, music preparation. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I bring in people uh, on a job by job basis for various things that need to happen, you know, either with the website, with app development, mm-hmm. with, um, yeah, we've developed an app for the, for the, to, to show dad's music at trade shows. Nice. And it works really well. We've got a couple of iPads and we have all the music, all the recordings so that people can come up and just engage with it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good low touch thing that allows people to walk up, not have to interact with anybody <laughs> <laughs> and listen yeah. to a couple of bars. And if they're interested, come on in. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a beautiful, beautiful booth that you have that you set up. 
Thank yeah, you that's very Matthew's much. work. Yeah. I, I worked very hard to make it as engaging and inviting as possible. Yeah, I, when I saw that at uh, at Midwest, I was like, "Holy cow!" It's gratifying to hear. Thank you. And the same with the, the website. Every time I go anyplace, people say uh, it's an amazing thing to have that website. Uh, and thank you, thank you, thank you, because it's uh, such easy access and everything is there. Yeah, I so. was just I was just poking around like an hour and a half ago, and I thought this is this is really really nicely done. Very very easy to find what you're looking for, and not have to. Is it here? Yes, I'm, uh, I appreciate that. I I have an enduring fascination with uh, experience design, mm-hmm. and I, you know how did how does a person actually understand information? How does a person actually go through and um, uh, find what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, so this gets me, this, this, this whole project allows me to uh, stretch my, my wings in terms of like, I have this interesting problem. How yeah. do I solve this problem? Yeah. Nice. Well, it seems like we're sort of probably coming up on, on the hour here. So I was wondering if, uh, do, do either of you have advice for composers who, um, you know, who are coming up and, and trying to, to build their careers um, or maybe having issues with publishing or want to get into band music or what, you know, any sort of advice? Um, it's such a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every path is, is uh, so different. Um, the basic advice that I will uh, offer composers is that um, they is a requirement that they have to be able to compose, that mm-hmm. they need the simple study experience and the work time to be able to, to be a good composer. Mm-hmm. I've had any number of young composers who come to me before they're even begun writing much to ask, how do you publish? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is write music. <laughs> um, and then work with the people that you know to get your music performed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have school connections, your old high school, your college, mm-hmm. uh, if you have a church connection, if you have a community connection of some mm-hmm. sort, um, go and engage with them and, uh, and begin that process of getting your music performed. Um, in my own life, it, it was 10 years of composing before I actually had a commission. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, probably until I was close to 50 before I could say that I was truly making a living at this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by that time, many people are already thinking about retirement from an otherwise you know, more lucrative career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just one, I don't need to make this sound awful, but there is the, the, the primary business of writing good music, I have to say that again and again. Um, it's so interesting. If you start talking about composing, then all of a sudden it turns into the mechanics of getting performances and publishing mm-hmm. and, and uh, money and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's not where this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to start with the other. Yeah. And you have to know that you are that. If you know that you are that, then you persist. Uh, this is about composing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, 
the trouble for me was that I said at the outset is that I'm a very reclusive person. I had a very difficult time actually you know, getting my stuff out there. I had some very fortunate turns of events mm-hmm. with single performances. Um, but you know, uh, there's no easy way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no consolation. Uh, you know, I want to say that the consolation is music itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you are deeply engaged in your own music making and you feel the reality of it, this is where life is. And then you can begin to bring people to that life. Mm-hmm. That's what I can say for young composers. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll jump in with the, the, the physical trappings of this, which is you need a website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have it. You need to have your scores and recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a way to contact you. You know how, when you go to a restaurant's website and all you want to have, is, you know, all to see is their open hours, their menu and their address and phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to have a 40 minute flash movie that's unskippable <sighs> that, that has, you know, their mm-hmm. <laughs> salsa music playing. And so yeah. before you can actually get to the, the menu, which is a, mm-hmm. um, a 40 megabyte GIF. Yeah. That's not searchable because <laughs> it's not text. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's all it's buried in the back end of the website, right behind their you know, upcoming artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, on their main stage, you go like, I just want to know if you carry tacos for God's sake. <laughs> 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 uh, I, so just, uh, this is about uh, know who you are and know who you're trying to talk to. Mm-hmm. And imagine what a person that you're trying to talk to would want to know about you and make your website to that. Yeah. When you're talking with people in real life, it's it give them a way to get in contact with you have a business card mm-hmm. um it doesn't need to be fancy it just needs your name and and your email and your website which you should have mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the social media aspect of it is increasingly important being present on facebook and twitter and snapchat to a certain extent um instagram i this will depend on who you are and what your image of yourself is and what you want to project to others. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dad is not particularly active uh, on there, um, mostly because it's um, ephemeral in a way which um, um, doesn't really click mm-hmm. for him. Um, he is much more about an hour conversation than 140 character uh, bon mot. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Dad, we're going to get you on the Twitter in a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to catch up with our new president. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe we can leave him out of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a. Um, the the rules and the landscape are shifting mm-hmm. very 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 quickly. Yes, but the constant is uh, knowing who you are, knowing who you want to talk to, and making beautiful music. Yes. 
<laughs> I think in, in any, any, like all my discussions of, of business stuff, the thing that for me is just the, it's got to, it's the given is that you're trying to, I assume that you're trying to write good music that people want to engage with somehow. Oh yeah. I mean, without and, that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, uh, without <laughs> that, you're just, yeah, you might as, be, might as well be, you know, on QVC or something. <laughs> yeah. Go host a reality show and enjoy yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Right. You'll get paid better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. On that note, thank you both for being here. Thank you for, um, you know, putting up with the, the garbage last week of not being able to connect and for, uh, you know, for coming back. (laughs) Technical issues are technical issues. Yeah. Um, Uh, We'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So thank you very much. Um, And for everyone uh, listening, thank you for listening. Uh, And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.